Okay, Cal. How's the sound quality? Much better than WhatsApp. Absolutely. Okay. We can get started here. So this is Methodical Millions, our idea of doing better in life, paying attention to what's going on with the world, and sharing ideas. A lot of people keep asking me, how's the trading going? And what if I give you $50,000? Can you invest it and take a portion of the returns? And I keep telling them, no one taught me what I've learned. It's all self-taught. I learned everything on my own, took me all this time. And if I can turn $50,000 to a million dollars for someone, I can definitely do it for myself. I don't need to go through the agony and pain and the stress of doing it for someone. I can do it. I'll just use my own money. I wouldn't say it's easy, but we do notice there are patterns to pay attention to and they don't happen all the time. It's about getting better at being plugged in and seeing what's going on. But it's amazing how people, you wouldn't even be talking to them. You just have a million dollars in the bank. People always want the easy way out. Oh, I know someone. Why don't I give them my money and take care of it? They want the quick buck. Easy come, easy go is one of the best sayings I've heard because it's so true. It resonates with so many things in my life that I thought I could make a quick buck with. And it comes easy and then goes easily. So, And that's the thing. If I end up making 200% return on a trade, which is fantastic. If it took me one trade and it took me a week or a few days, that's after years of agony, education, years of losses, wins, and ups and downs. So what I've learned throughout all that process, think of it as an athlete. A runner can do a 400-meter dash in seconds, and it's much faster than everyone else on the planet. It's because they've been practicing their entire lives for this. It's very exciting, and that's why I'm doing it, and I'm sure that's why you are. But we have a lot more in terms of what we want to do and how we want to grow. It's financial education that's really missing. And I'm in big shock of finding out how many people really don't have any financial education. It's shocking. Including many in the finance industry, they don't have that. It's just a job for some. The line is drawn between someone who's passionate and someone who does it for a paycheck. And if you're forced to rent your time because you need to pay your bills, I find that you'll turn off when you go home. You won't be thinking about it. You won't be researching the next little bit that you find interesting. And I think that's what separates the people who do really well in a certain field. It could be professionally, it could be athletic. It really comes down to how important it is to you and what drives you. So what gave you the drive to do this? What was it that clicked? It was just a feeling. It wasn't some profound statement for sure. I think that comes over time and experience, but it was just wanting more. There's got to be more to this. I think it was opportunity. It was, let me dump some money in a TFSA. It was actually penny stocks at the beginning. And it's not like a get rich quick necessarily. It's called opportunity. So I realized maybe there's something to this. How much money moving in the market and just out of a curiosity is worth paying attention to. That was my start. And it led to more questions. Can you find patterns? Can you actually do this professionally? And that's where it all began. I'm just thinking, I was never the businessman in the family. I never thought of finances. I just thought I'd go to a good university, graduate, get a top job, and get wealthy. It's not until I got into the workforce. During the 2008-2009 recession, I realized how difficult it is just to get a job. And what happened there is, once I did get a job and I started working three jobs full-time, part-time, and 
slowly but surely, I got really good at my job. I was commission-based. But even then, I started realizing it's still very difficult just to make ends meet. I taught myself to manage money well, and that was still not enough. Money management in itself was good. And that's when I thought there must be more to this. How come people out there are making $10 million and up? They're not all business owners. Even though I had university education in accounting and finance, I never really worked in the field. I worked in automotive finance, but that has nothing to do with finance as we know it in terms of investing. So I slowly started reading up. And that's when I started thinking, just like you plant a seed and you give it water and sunlight for it to grow, that's what you need to do with your money. That's when I clicked. And I never acted upon it properly until a few years ago, but one step at a time and here we are. It started slow and now it's my entire focus. Yeah. You got to admire that in people that find passion in something and it draws you in, right? It's not just the everyday. I had a similar background, two jobs for about 10 years, and I was in the grind in the rat race. I knew I was smart enough, but I didn't want to feel entitled. So I took a different path, not the easy path, but when you make your own mistakes, you find your own true purpose and you drive your own direction. I really believe in that. You made a good point about it not being enough. And I really think about that a lot. So you got to live sustainably. That's step one. I don't think you can have a sound mind investing without being cash flow positive, without having enough to cover your bills. I think it's very dangerous. What do you think about that? My personal opinion is I agree with you 100% about that. And I think the actual answer to that question is everybody should invest in one way or the other. Like you said, you have to have a sustainable living. So assuming you have a job and you earn, let's say, $2,000 a month. You have to live below your means. I'm not saying to the point where you're really making it difficult for yourself, but anything that you can live without, just live without. For the longest time, I didn't have Netflix, any subscriptions for that matter. I just subscribed to Netflix. So it's been only four months for me as a Netflix subscriber, and that's because my wife enjoys it. And we recently married. It's not even for me, but I'm just saying that Anywhere where I can cut corners, what do I need? I need a car to get me from A to B. Those who don't know me, I'm a big car fan. I enjoy cars a lot, but it doesn't mean I need to drive a sports car. Do I have money to buy a sports car? Yes, perhaps I can afford to buy a sports car, but it doesn't mean that I have to put myself in that situation because that will stop me from putting my money to actual work for it to grow and then eventually buy that car cash. The one thing that you can't buy is time. And that's where I think everyone should invest in something, whether it was markets or to a business or their passion. But I think everyone has to invest for them to have an enjoyable life. That is 100% key. I call investing building the future of the world. Every dollar has well a purpose. Said. I mean, past sustainability, you need to pay your bills. That's an emergency. That's an essential. Yeah. And I grew up that way, spend my paycheck on the second day it comes in the bank. But it's a mix of saying, well, can I invest in myself, whether it's education or I believe in breaking the rules. That way, if you know you're going to get a return, you can really improve your life. That's important. Use your judgment. But eventually, if you grind at it enough, you budget, you pay attention, you'll realize I didn't need that third coffee. I didn't need that extra pair of shoes. You have to slow down a bit and say, What's really adding value to my life at this point? And that's where I think people cross that line. So 
I think it is a self-discovery process. I really believe that in life, you have to seek out something, seek out good mentors. You can't just be force-fed something. And that's what made me shy away from school after is what else is there? This can't be it. Because at what point do you stop and say, okay, I've done everything people have asked of me. When do I start making my own decisions? When do I follow my own passions? When do I go through my own struggles? So it's a personal journey. Life's a journey, but I think it's empowering. I think you get a lot from making your own mistakes and then reap the benefits over time. It's definitely not overnight. For sure. But just going back to the point where you mentioned school, do you think some might argue that that's not necessarily the right thing? What's your counter argument? It's called marginal benefit. I did it post-secondary for a year and a half or so. Immense value. I really believe in that. But once you teach yourself how to learn and think, I mean, what better time to make your own decisions than at 20? Why wait till you're 50? Why wait till life has passed you by? Being able to have conviction about life, I think, is really powerful. So people will say, oh, you have to go to school. You have to get this job. But if you can stand on your own feet, I think that opens the doors to discovering who you truly are, discovering your passions. And I think just being curious about the world leads to good things. So it's not about trying to change the world overnight. It's not about trying to set these immense goals. It's about leaning into, hey, you know what, this is interesting. Or no, I don't have to do things this way. My counterpoint to school in its own, the fundamentals of school are that there's one right answer for everything. The best thing I ever came across there's actually almost always more than one right answer. And that opens you up to the possibility of creativity of what can I come up with on my own. And that's my background as to where this all came from, why it's important to think outside the box, and it leads to cool things. So I think the more in that headspace, the more you come across cool discoveries. And to me, investing is one of them. We rent our time right yeah. now. We both have jobs. And the question is, what do our lives look like if you own your own time? It was a few years ago that you and I were sitting down and talking about how much I enjoy the physics of racing and motorsport. And you were able to help me find so much information online on what I was really interested in, in terms of notes and research and books that's available to me that I didn't have to go to school for. It's all online and it's so abundant. It's far beyond anyone would ever need. I could probably specialize and become an engineer by really focusing and studying everything online. I watch YouTube a lot on my free time. During that time, all I watch is educational videos, things that I can either learn something off of or some news that is going to help me with my investment decisions or physics-related or science-related, anything like that, or DIYs. And I enjoy watching YouTube so much because of that. It's unbelievable what's available online. Everything I know today about my investing and trading knowledge came from online. I didn't go to school for investments or trading, finance. Perhaps I knew the ABCs from school. But when it comes to the real world, it's very different. And that's where online education comes in. People give you their experiences and they tell you how it really is online. And even though there's a lot of nonsense, if you really do your research, you can clear out the noise from what's actually valuable and informative. Yeah, totally. With a $50 internet connection, you can learn anything in the world. Fixing washers and dryers, put on a shelf on the wall, how to learn about anything. It really opens up possibilities. So we live in a lucky time where we can do that.
and everything is in the palm of your hand on your phone, that's all you really need to teach yourself. Those who argue, oh, I don't have enough money to invest or I don't have money to go to school. Everything that mattered or that helped me so far with my financial education has been free. I pay my internet connection, which I pay for anyway. I have a cell phone on me. That's all I really need to teach myself. When people talk to me, they always are quick to come up with a reason why they shouldn't do it. And I find that with anything in life, they'll defer the thought of, hey, that could be me. So do you have to be rich to invest? What's your take on that? Not at all. I don't think so. My first ever trade was around $5,000. For many people, it's a lot of money to put into the markets. But investment terms, it's pocket change. I follow people who are pretty good at trading specifically. Trading and investing are two different things. But they're really good at trading and they got to the point that they can grow from $300 and turn it into five and six figures. If you have the right education and you know what you're doing, obviously you're not always going to win. But think of it as opening a restaurant. Not every single restaurant that's open is going to turn profitable. I remember hearing a statistic, up to 90% of the restaurants fail. So let's say over a period of five years, 100 restaurants open, 10 of them will be still around. There's risk there, right? And the overhead is quite large. You have the location, the building, the rent, the equipment, the staff, electricity bills, and that's quite a large investment. With investing, it gives you access to grow your money with pretty much anything. There are accounts now where you can open with as little as $100. It's purely for yourself. It doesn't matter to anyone else. And if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it for you. It's one thing, take that $500 and just dump it in the market. You and I both did that when we first started, but it's money we were afford to lose. But that comes as cost of education. Think of it as tuition fees of the market. I think watching videos, doing your research, and then getting to market slowly will really reap the benefits fairly quickly. Awesome. I think that opens up some eyes. So what about you? What did you start with when you first started? Did you start with a large amount? No, it was no more than $500. And that was an unlimited amount of money for me. Money I didn't have really. If I want to be honest, I was pre-spending my money. I wouldn't call it a lottery ticket. What it came down to was if I can earn more than I made that month, that's amazing. It was just exploring what happens if you do that. And I think what you said earlier about having more than one job, to me, I treat it as a job. Even if you're losing money, it's still a job. You're still involved. There's something to pay attention to. And what really drove it home for me, and I can't exactly remember when I learned this, but imagine you've got money you can put aside, even if it's $100 a month. I always use that as an example that most people can reasonably set aside with an average job. What happened if you made that 1000 You can buy friends and family some gifts. You can spend some extra money on yourself. Not quite life-changing, but it's about jumping through the next order of magnitude. So what happens if you 10x that? All of a sudden, 1000 becomes 10 Even if that's not life-changing, I would argue it is for most, but add another zero on that. You can go through these orders of magnitude and eventually you're going to hit a life-changing amount of money. And I think that's what this is all about, bettering yourself that way. So you can go from 1000 to 10 to 100000 And I know at that level, 99.9% of people, it would be life-changing to them. What I would argue is not only is it doable, it enriches your life by following this stuff. And 
my first real investment was in Tesla. And I was like, this guy's way smarter than I am. Here's some money. What was the byproduct? I actually started following closer, being in the car business, following the car business a lot closer, the macro news. Like you said, it's buying your own education. And sometimes you actually get your money back on that. You actually make money. So it's really valuable and shaped who I am. It's made me smarter. It's made me better at my day job. So that kind of value you can't buy. It's not fake. You were saying about easy come, easy go. What you build in your head over time is really useful. And I think it makes you a better person. That's the value I get. Yes, well said. Because that's education that's never going to go away. You're not going to lose that. Let's say you had one big loss, most of your gains, if you're a trader in that sense. You still have the education to know that you can grow that money back. Maybe even better because now you have more knowledge of what not to do. And it's just one step at a time. Just when I thought I knew quite a lot about the markets in general, it humbles you and reminds you that we're never bigger than the market. There's always more to learn. There's always room to improve. And that's exciting for me. It just shows there's so much more opportunity than there already is. It baffles me that a lot of people don't know or don't have the interest to know how they can grow their money. It doesn't have to be through the financial markets. It could be through any way. But like you mentioned, you have to get to sustainability and then past that, that's when you start growing. And then it's just upwards from there. Yeah, totally. So you said something that kind of caught my attention. Investing and trading are not the same thing. I'll profess I'm not the trader in this conversation, but maybe to people listening, what does that mean? So when you come to the financial markets, the term trading and investing, they mean two things. Let's start with investing. Investing is you picking your money and putting it into some asset, let's say a stock, for example. You go and buy shares of a certain company and you hold these shares. Then over time, let's say over a period of one to 10 years, the price of the stock goes up. So you bought them at $100 per share and 10 years time, they turn to $300 per share. Now your investment has tripled in value. You as an investor, you've grown your money to get to that point. Now you're not actively in and out of the stock in terms of buying the stocks and selling them in the same day or same week or same month. That's where trading comes in. Now investing, before I go back to trading, has more to do with you believing in the value of the company because you're putting your money into that company, believing that over the long term, the company is going to grow and you're going to grow with it. Being a shareholder of that company, you're being a partner, if you like, of the company, and you own part of that company, and you believe that's going to grow, and you're going to grow with it. Now, in trading, a lot of that doesn't become relevant anymore. So what you do is you look into an asset, again, let's say a stock of a company, and you buy it at a certain price, hoping to sell it at a higher price in the near future. Many do what they call intraday trading. So you buy and sell the stocks in the same day, trying to make money out of the movement of the stock. So from $100 to $101, you make a dollar per share. Multiply that times 1000 that's $1,000 you've just made. So with that, the fundamentals of the company doesn't matter as much. But what matters is perhaps the news on the day, maybe the amount of volume, meaning the amount of people who are trading that stock at that particular time. I'm getting a bit too technical with it, but you're scalping the movement. 
you're buying at a certain price, selling it in a relatively short period of time. It doesn't have to be in the same day. It could be over a week, over a month, and then selling it. That's basically the difference between the two. I think a good balance is to trade and to invest. But for those who have no interest in trading, which is completely fine because it's not for everyone, I think investing is a must for everyone. There are advisors out there that can give you advice. The banks can even help you on doing it on your behalf, like mutual funds and things like that. It's accessible to everyone. Now, the growth rate is up for argument, but it's a form of making your money grow. Yeah, well said. What do you say to someone who, I get this a lot too, oh, that's risky, or you're going to lose your money. What do you tell to someone like that who won't even think about jumping in? Like I mentioned earlier, let's say you want to open a restaurant, and even that has risk. There's no guarantees that you're going to be successful, that your business is going to be profitable. There's risk with everything. The fact that you're not putting your money into work is risk in itself. Because you're betting that your money is better off sitting in a savings or checkings account doing nothing than the markets would perform. Funny that I say this because right now in this current situation, that's arguably the case. Being in a cash position where money's in the savings account is better than putting it in the markets. But some people are capitalizing on that opportunity. But generally speaking, for the entire period of the existence of the stock market, it's not been the case. It's actually been the case that you're better off putting your money to the market and there is risk with absolutely everything. Nothing is guaranteed. You're putting your life at risk just by commuting to work and back. It's all about probability and the probability of you getting into an accident and something bad happening to you that might be hindering you from doing your job and maybe losing your job over it is also risky. You don't have to put all your money all at once into the market. Even if you have $100,000 sitting in the bank, take $1,000, just see how it reacts. And then when you start seeing that you're slowly making money, and let's say you make an average rate of return of 10%, you notice that 10% a year multiplies. And if you go buy dividend stocks, then you have also dividend income on top of that. And then it's just really exponential growth from there. If you just put your money into the market and forget about it, you don't even have to watch the markets every day. You don't have to watch the markets ever. Even during these times, if you're in this for the long haul, then what we're seeing right now today, for those who are listening to this way in the future, it's quite a volatile time right now with the coronavirus. The markets are down and up quite a lot, but that could be all noise for those who are doing this to retire in 25 years. So this is going to balance out eventually. Don't know how long it'll take, but we've always had these periods every seven, eight years. It's nothing uncommon. Yeah. What you're saying is it's worth knowing when to move and when to not. So the awareness is important. What would you tell someone who says it's too risky? Can you quantify the risk? Let's say you get someone who's more methodical, someone who's an engineer, someone who likes to be analytical. How do you explain that to them? Is there math behind that kind of question? Yeah, there is, but it depends on what position you plan on taking. So if you say, what's the risk when it comes to investing? I don't know the exact figure, but it comes down to what are you putting your money into? At what price are you buying that asset? Are you buying gold? Are you buying a stock? Are you buying it at relative highs? 
is there potential for future growth? And you do the math based on that. So let's say if you're trading, it seems that the statistic is nine out of 10 traders lose money. Everyone who is trading, they believe they're one of the 10% that will make it. But when it comes to investing, it's a different story. What are my odds of actually making money? Well, it depends on what you're buying and at what price. Then you can do the math using the statistic of the S&P doing anywhere between 10 to 14% annually on average. Where would you get 14% return? Unless you're an entrepreneur or you're an investor where you put it into a small startup or you put it into some sort of business, there's a chance you can make multiples of that. But your odds of losing the money would be also quite high. Agreed. And banks will give you a percent losses to inflation. You actually are losing money. It's the leaky ship analogy that a lot of people talk about. I think that's an important conversation. What I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, what a stock price should be is the future value of the company. So if you believe the future value in the company is 10x, they've got a lot of room to grow. The first iPhone launched, the first Tesla on the road, whatever that inkling is, then that's a play. If all your neighbors are getting Amazon delivered or watching Netflix, that's kind of how I deconstruct my investing thesis, which is, are they beating up the competition? Things like that. So do you think there's any merit to that kind of thinking? Yeah, for sure. And it's exactly the case. When you're putting your money into a company of a stock of some sort, it's only because you believe that it's going to get more valuable. It's going to grow from this point onwards. You believe that you're buying shares of a company at fair value that you think in one year, five and 10 years, it'll grow quite a lot more. Even though you might think that this would be the future value of the company at this price, it's correct. It's based on the projections of where the company would be in the next quarter, next year, but you're buying it at a price that you believe is fair. And sometimes you can get stocks at a bargain. There are many companies that are trading way under their actual potential value. And we see that with a lot of tech companies that start up with a relatively cheap stock price and they can spike quickly even if they're not profitable. It's a good point because I follow tech quite religiously. That's my passion. Growth trumps all in a lot of cases. And you'll see that with the Ubers, the Amazons. And Amazon is the victor there who showed that slow growth over a long time and not making money, but consistent growth is super important. So long-term vision, right? And I don't follow the news. I don't follow blog posts. I actually will get the info from the source. So you can listen to earnings calls from public companies. And I don't really quite do it often, but you can follow financial statements. There's all these levels of education you can give yourself. You don't have to be a trader. You can do it at your own pace. And I think that's quite exciting. What do you think for those who perhaps would say, why wouldn't you help me with this? The conversation I started with, what would you have to say to those people? Let me give you $50,000 and would you trade for me? We talked about it. The value people get in doing things on their own is through that process. It's not just a quick money in, quick money out. And part of it is the relationships that we get soured. I'm more humble than that to think I can just go turn 50K into a million. It's not overnight. And there's a flip side to that. Don't listen to people who tell you not to do something. I've got a famous quote I like to say, no one will write you a check for missed opportunity. If you don't take that job offer, if you don't take that chance on a business, if you don't take that investment, don't go knocking on their door saying, oh no, it went up four times. No one's going to write you that check. So I think we'll wrap that up for today's episode. 
Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Methodicalmillions.com. If you'd like to follow future episodes and info at methodicalmillions.com if you'd like to send us some feedback. Thanks, everyone.